Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Panel Riot. This will be a beginning. This is the uh, very first in a series that will be ongoing. The theme of that series, X-Men, the animated series. But before we get into that, intern Stan, I think you know what to play. spectacular and a portent of things to come. As I mentioned in the uh, opening there, this will be part one of an ongoing series in which I watch the original X-Men animated series. Not the original original. I already did an episode on that, which was the uh, Pride of the X-Men kind of one-off pilot that they made, which uh, you should go listen to. Go and listen to that at your earliest convenience. It's episode number nine, True Believer. Panel Riot episode number nine. Number nine. Oh, those were heady days. Such early days of the Wrestling Mayhem show. But anyway, um, so I recently had a birthday, and uh, I received a wonderful gift from my dear friend Corey. And what did he buy me? He bought me the entire series of X-Men. That's right, X-Men the Animated Series, five volumes, uh, and uh, all on DVD. And it's it's just it's a just a big pile of my childhood right there. Because I dearly, dearly loved X-Men the Animated Series. And I'm going to get to do something that I have wanted to do since I was... Oh, however old I was in 1992 to 1994 when I probably stopped watching this. Um, And that is, watch all of it. Because back in the day, they did some crazy stuff when it came to cartoons. Just some wacky stuff. Uh, They figured kids didn't care and weren't really paying that close of attention. So they didn't have to show the episodes in order. Or some episodes they didn't have to show at all. Or some episodes they would just show again and again and again. They would just replay that pilot each and every week for no particular reason because what are the kids going to do? They're going to shut up and eat their cereal and then go buy the toys. Full disclosure, I ate lots of cereal and bought lots of toys thanks to this uh, cartoon series. So, (laughs) needless to say, it worked. Um... 
But now I get to do it right. I get to watch it in order. All of them. It's it's all going to happen. It's all going down. And it's starting, of course, with episode number one. They kicked things off right with this uh, dynasty of a series. Uh, Night of the Sentinels, part one. That's right, folks. Part one. Now, I don't remember necessarily a lot about... Uh, about this first episode from my childhood. As a matter of fact, I remembered almost nothing. Uh, I remembered that Jubilee kind of, she found out she was a mutant and a sentinel went to attack her in a mall and the X-Men just happened to be there and saved her. Now, for you younger listeners out there, malls were these large buildings in which many smaller stores lived. They had a section called the food courts in which many tiny restaurants lived. Uh, kind of like uh, food stalls, or not food stalls, um, like, like food carts or food, food trucks. <laughs> kind of like food trucks, but smaller and not nearly as good. Also probably like twice as expensive, unless you're living in LA where everything's expensive, and that's a rant for another podcast that isn't even this one. Uh, Anyway, the point is, they fight in a mall, and um, there's a, there's this amazing scene in the in the beginning before everything starts to go down, where Gambit is in this random convenience store buying thirty some packs of cards, and of course the woman working behind the counter is super hot, and she flirts with him. Uh, she flirts with him like crazy, and I don't remember this scene at all from when I was a kid, but. There is this uh, this one part where they're fighting the Sentinel. They knock the Sentinel over, and it bursts through the window of the convenience store, knocking over a rack of comic books, which had to be intentional at that point. Uh, let's talk very briefly about some of the history uh, of this show. This was the longest-running show, still is. This is the longest-running show based on a Marvel Comics property. It was 76 episodes. Oh, man. 76 episodes. That's impressive. Uh, excuse me, especially for a uh, any kind of 90s series. Uh, the second longest is the 1990s Spider-Man animated series, which lasted 65 episodes, which maybe someday I'll go back and watch that. But if I'm honest, my feelings for that series are not quite as warm as my feelings for this series. Uh, the show features X-Men, who are kind of wearing the same costumes as their 1990s comic counterparts, uh, the ones drawn by Jim Lee, and it is Cyclops' blue team. So, in the show, at least in the beginning, in the first episode, you have Cyclops, Wolverine, Rogue, Storm, Beast, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, and Professor X, and a character named Morph, and I just learned this out now. He is based off of a, uh, an X-Men member named Kevin Sidney, who I know nothing about, but will probably research uh, in the coming episodes, especially considering that Morph was a very emotional point for me in these com in these uh, uh, cartoons. And But we'll get to that, of course, when we talk about the second episode. Um, this being the first episode, there is, of course, a ton of exposition, just a lot of walking around, talking about stuff. Uh, Jubilee has a no inner monologue whatsoever. It is all an outer monologue. She just talks constantly. Um, the animation is rough. It is rough. 
I am not going to lie to you, this was the early 1990s. They were not placing an emphasis on quality for these kind of cartoons. As I said, a lot of it was just a cash grab. They knew kids liked the X-Men. They knew comics were hot. This was before the uh, the big comics bust of the 1990s. And um, they knew they were going to make a lot of money. So they didn't want to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's let's. What else do I got in my notes? Um, Jubilee is just an updated Kitty Pride, eventually, or essentially. This is basically an introduction to the X Men. She's our way in, and this is the 1990s, so she has to be sassy and hip and wear a long leather yellow trench coat. Which uh, we, I mean, I know I did. I wore the the long yellow leather trench coat in the 90s, didn't you? Um, everybody had them. Mine is still in my closet, of course. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, this premiered in 1992. 1992. I know some of you weren't even born yet. Most of you. A large number of you probably weren't even born yet. Or were just born then. I'm very old, is what I'm saying. I'm a very old man doing a podcast. Ugh. Uh, no, I'm not that old. I'm old enough to remember the 90s. Which doesn't make me old yet. Uh, that's I'm going off on a tangent. Let's let's pull it together, Will. Um, let's see here. At one point, Wolverine says he can smell infrared beams. Beast gives him a quizzical look, and he says, "Ozone." Is that scientifically accurate? I'm not really sure. Uh, a lot of weird science stuff. At one point, uh, when they're just walking somewhere, Rogue's like, "Beast, you know everything. Why are we the way we are?" Because uh, you know mutants. And he says, I don't know, pollution, gamma rays, television. <laughs> Domino and Cannonball and Sabretooth all make cameos on various televisions. Uh, that was exciting. I, I, I can't remember. I know Sabretooth, of course, comes back later. I don't know so much about Domino. At one point, they're in the danger room, and it says, Piston Sequence Initiated. And I want that to be my uh, sound every time I get a text message. Somebody sends me a text message, I want my iPhone uh, in-series voice, ideally, to say, Piston Sequence Initiated. Morph has an insane laugh. And that's it. That's all for uh, this first episode. It's a cliffhanger, of course, sort of. They go and infiltrate this... Facility? I just watched this. Minutes ago, I watched this episode. I don't remember why they're infiltrating this facility. I really couldn't tell you, now that I think about it. Anyway, they, um, they you know, go past the infrared beams, and they, you know, kind of check everything out, and um, they shut down all the security measures, and like, yeah, we're in. That was super easy. And then it pans behind a door, and there's, uh, like... 14 guys with red hair who are all drawn exactly alike, uh, dressed as soldiers, holding guns. These guys are identical. They all have red hair for reasons I don't understand. Um, And, you know, they've got their guns at the ready. Now, I am going to float a theory right now before I watch the second episode, which probably proves it wrong. And I don't even know if this guy shows up at any point in these uh, episodes. But uh, multiple man. 
it was multiple man. Multiple man makes an appearance in the first episode. He is a self-hating mutant, and uh, he decides to work for the man or whoever is you know, running this facility, which I don't understand. But maybe, you know, maybe I'll report back in the next segment for the second episode. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. That's going to be the format, because these uh, these episodes are kind of short, and there's not a lot of substance, and I'm trying to make a 45-minute podcast, and most weeks it's going to be just me. Every now and then I'll have a guest, we'll talk about uh, a few episodes, you know, maybe I can convince them to come over and watch it with me, uh, in the style of incredible podcasts such as Go Bayside, and Gilmore Girls, and the X-Files files. All quality podcasts, you should check them out immediately at your earliest convenience so yeah three segments one episode per segment uh and i mean this isn't going to be the the, what the show is for the rest of time uh it's just going to be every now and then i'm going to feel like watching some x-men and that is what i'll do it is entirely possible that uh you know we'll go on runs of just watching x-men cartoons but the fact of the matter is i'm returning to my roots here i'm going back to the thing that i loved when i was a child the thing that really bolstered my love of comic books uh that really instilled in me uh my love of comics speaking of comics it's worth mentioning that marvel for a period of time released a comic series called X-Men Adventures. This was a, uh, it was basically a comic book adaptation of the animated series. Um, it adapted the first three seasons. This is, I'm going to just read to you from Wikipedia now. Beginning in November 1992, it adapted, this is my, uh, this is my audition for, uh, to read, you know, books for Audible. So, beginning in November 19, oh, I already screwed it up. <laughs> Beginning in November 1992, it adapted the first three seasons of the show. In April 1996, it became Adventures of the X-Men, which contained original stories set within the same continuity. The comic book lasted until March 1997, shortly after the show's cancellation by Fox Network. Volume 5 of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe A to Z, hardcover lists the X-Men cartoon as part of the Marvel multiverse, inhabiting Earth 92131. Also, the plague-infested future that Bishop tried to prevent in Season 2 is listed as Earth-13393, while Cable's release of the immediate cure of the plague is listed as Earth-121893. If you would like me to read the audio version of your book or graphic novel, Email us, panelriot at gmail.com. I am available for a very reasonable price. So I collected these. Uh, I collected these X-Men Adventures books uh, as a kid, and uh, just the early ones, really, just the first few issues. And I remember specifically them being very uh, kind of brutal. There was some uh, some really hardcore stuff, considering this was a Saturday morning cartoon of you know dubious quality. Um, I remember specifically something... Um, well, you know what? Let's take a break because it, it, it gets into the second episode. We'll have a quick break from our sponsors um, and we'll be back with more X-Men and more Panel Riot. Please stick around. In or around the Pittsburgh area? Check out Metamorphosis, Pittsburgh's only full-service organic salon, spa, and wellness studio. Haircut? Check. 
Manny, check. Petty, check. Massages, highlights, sauna, and facials, absolutely. We even offer professional yoga classes daily. Visit us at SpaPGH.com. That's S-P-A-P-G-H.com today. Because when you feel good, you look even better. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of Panel Riot. As always, our sincere thanks to MetamorphosisSpotPGH.com. Go and check them out at your earliest convenience. I promise you, if you are in and around the Pittsburgh area, go and visit them. And uh, just whatever. You want to get your nails done, your toenails, want to get a massage, want to get a haircut, want to do some yoga. Every single thing there is top-notch and uh, fantastic. You will not be disappointed. SpotPGH.com. Tell them Panel Riot sent you. This week, we are talking about X-Men, the animated series. I am watching them. It is a fun trip down memory lane for me, or at least it was until this episode. Um, We covered the first episode, um, Night of the Sentinels, part one in appropriately enough, part one of this episode, and uh, uh, here we are in part two, Night of the Sentinels part two, and uh, this was a very emotional episode for me as a child. This was an episode that kind of shaped my opinion on the X-Men for years to come, specifically one X-Man, Cyclops. Now, Essentially what happens is they are infiltrating this, um, there's a mutant registration area or base or something, and they are infiltrating it in to destroy all of their files. Uh, Beast is destroying some of the computer files, and they are also destroying um, filing cabinets with files and stuff, whatever. Um, it's not super clear, but uh, anyway, they're going to escape, and uh, Beast and Morph get attacked. They get shot, and it's real bad. <laughs> Morph dies, pushing Wolverine out of the way, um, and Beast gets thrown into an electric fence and knocked out by the electricity in the electric fence, and Wolverine's like, all right, well, we're going to go back for him. And Cyclops is like, no, we are not going to go back for them. We're going to let them die or be kidnapped or whatever. It's going to be great, and we're just going to go. And Wolverine's like, what, are you kidding me? No, we're going to go back and get them. This Don't be absurd. And Rogue, taking Cyclops' lead, knocks out Wolverine. Takes him right out, just absorbs his power, and, and, he, and he goes unconscious. Um... There's a, a big reaction shot when uh, Morph is shot by the Sentinel, and it's uh, Jean going, ah, Morph, and she feels him die, or uh, that's what they uh, they want you to, to think. Um, and then uh, Xavier comes along, and he puts on the Cerebro helmet, and he can't sense anything. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. It's sad for a lot of reasons, uh, one of which is because... Um, Morph was uh, immediately my favorite. As a kid, Morph was, he was it. I was into Morph because he could be all of the X-Men. He could look like anybody. He could could do whatever. He could just, you know, shape, he's a shapeshifter. Morph is a shapeshifter, in case you couldn't tell by his incredibly subtle name. 
So, of course, I was into that as a kid. Um, That probably has some kind of deep psychological meaning, body image issues or whatever. But you know what? This is a fun comic book podcast, and we'll probably not get into that. So, I liked Morph, and Cyclops wouldn't let Wolverine go back and get him, which was infuriating to me. It didn't make any sense, because it was Wolverine. Wolverine uh, is already, at this point, taken on a Sentinel by himself, and... On top of that, he has a crazy healing factor. And at one point, Cyclops says, uh, I'm not going to let you throw your life away. That's right, Cyclops. You're not. He's probably got it under control. And if you guys were going to help him, uh, you would almost certainly succeed. But uh, anyway, they don't let him go. They leave Beast and Morph to be dead or whatever. And um, they go back and everyone's sad. And... They're like, he could still be alive. And Gene's like, no, Beast is alive. Morph's dead. I saw it in my head. I didn't mean to rhyme. Um, And everybody's sad. And Wolverine punches Cyclops in the stomach. Um, It's very emotional. Very, very emotional. He's very upset because Morph's his buddy. Uh, Even though... Uh, on the rewatch, I gotta say, Morph is super obnoxious. <laughs> he's got a terrible voice, and he's he's just real annoying. So, a weird thing happens. So, th- all this goes down, and they go back to the mansion, and everybody's sad, and then Wolverine kind of runs off on his own uh, in a uh, drop-top Jeep, and there is a flashback to what just happened. It's really strange, because we saw what happened... And then, during the flashback, there is more footage of the original battle. It's not just Morph and Beast go down, and then the X-Men leave. It's Morph and Beast go down, um, and then there's all this other fighting. And I guess they looked at it and thought, you know, well, maybe they we need to make it look like they tried. <laughs> at least gave an attempt uh, to get them back. So, yeah, weird... Uh, Weird flashback to the whole thing. Um, It's also worth mentioning that Gambit becomes absolutely intolerable in this episode. Um, And we're only two episodes in, so that doesn't bode well for the rest of the series. I'm really hoping the writing improves, which it looks like it's going to, but we'll go back to that. Gambit is just saying things, right? And they're not even, like, card puns. He's just saying things that are poker terms he's just like uh you know ace is a wild and you charge the card and then you throw it away that's that doesn't even make sense that has nothing to do with poker or cards he just says stuff they're not puns uh and they're completely obnoxious i really gambit with his and, and i don't know who the voice actor is offhand i have to look it up but he really really needs to get his joke game together uh, and before the end of the first season, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna make it through this alive, that's just gotta, it's gotta change, it's gotta change. Um, there is a statement made by the president of the United States, and keep in mind this is 1992, and it's a female president. How progressive for the 90s? That's fantastic. Um, she says what uh, what happened, and that the Sentinels protected the mutant control agency and there's going to be a counter offense but she meets with uh, guy rick guy rich whatever who's the villain of the piece and she says uh we are not going to go ahead with the mutant registration which um 
I mean, did you read Civil War? Because if we had this president, we could have cleared this up immediately instead of having to have, you know, Cap and Tony fight each other. And Anyway, um, so what happens next is uh, Cyclops does something kind of clever. He goes and he visits Wolverine in a bar, and Wolverine is, of course, starting trouble. And there's a, there's a biker dude there who's just doing a bad Jack Nicholson. And for you kids out there, if you don't know who Jack Nicholson is, Google it. Google it. I'm not your Google. Figure that. Figure it out yourself. Use your little smartphones that you're always on. Whatever. Jack Nicholson. Look it up. Uh, everybody used to have a Jack Nicholson impersonation. I used to have a Jack Nicholson impersonation. I was a child. Anyway. So here's what happens. Uh, he goes and sees Wolverine. He's like, how would you like to see, to you know, find out the Sentinel's home base? Wolverine's on board, right? So what he does is... He goes and he visits Jubilee's parents, knowing that her dad will call the cops and that the cops will send a sentinel, a single sentinel. And then he can blast its arm off and it'll fly back to base for repairs, despite the fact that no sentinel thus far has ever done that. Uh, And then they can track it to the base and rescue Jubilee, but not Beast or Morph, who they still think is dead and is totally dead. So it was kind of like half clever. So sort of well done, Cyclops. You had a uh, far-fetched but kind of good plan. Um, They rescue Jubilee, and there's a happy ending, despite the fact that Beast is still in prison or whatever. Um, Because I I, I come to believe that uh, the writers were sowing these seeds that Cyclops didn't like Beast, um, and they just wanted to kind of, like, leave him there, because, like, Jubilee gets kidnapped, and... Wait, when did Jubilee get kidnapped? I I don't remember that part. That's weird. Uh, huh. Oh, wait, maybe Jubilee didn't get kidnapped? No, she did. When did she get kidnapped? It doesn't matter. Uh, this is a really, <laughs> really weird show. I, I genuinely don't remember when she was kidnapped. Oh, last episode. He goes. She goes to see her foster parents, and then she's all right. Anyway, uh, he he. They go and they rescue Jubilee, but they make no attempt to rescue Beast. It's weird. Um, and uh, they rescue her, and she goes and sees her parents again, and they're like, "You'll come and visit, right?" And she says, "Does a mall babe eat chili fries?" <laughs> I don't know. Do they? Do you know mall babes? Does anybody know mall babes? Are there still mall babes? Uh, if, uh, if you know a mall babe, send us an email, panelriot at gmail.com, because I have a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Um, so long story short, they effortlessly knock out a bunch of sentinels, which they couldn't do in the last episode, leading to both, both beast and morph dying. (laughs) And it's the same team. It's the same people who it doesn't, it (laughs) It's amazing. However many years later, uh, and I still have problems with Cyclops not going back and getting Beast and Morph. Because they, they, this same team, minus Beast and Morph, taking out all these Sentinels at the Sentinel base. It's just, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, and of course the credits roll. And uh, did you know that Gambit's costume is also body armor? I gotta tell you, these credits are endlessly informative uh now about the cyclops thing it's worth noting that i this dislike of cyclops 
lasted for years. Years. It was relatively recently that I was even slightly interested in Cyclops. Um, it was, uh, uh, I would probably say, Uncanny X-Men. Uh, I started reading it after the Schism storyline happened, after you know Wolverine and the X-Men started, and uh, Uncanny X-Men continued, and it was Cyclops' team. That's when I started to like Cyclops. That's when that character got even marginally interesting and compelling to me. And I went back a little bit and saw, you know, he's, you know, trying to be a leader and, and going on and everything like that and, and doing well. But, I mean, that's how recent this was, my uh, my dislike for Cyclops. I think that might have been last year or the year before, because that was, right, that was uh, a little bit before the um, Avengers versus X-Men storyline. So, yeah, yeah, very, very emotional episode in the uh in the life of a young will so so that's that uh we are going to have another quick word from our sponsors and we will return with more panel riot in another episode of x-men the animated series up next enter magneto stick around you know the kind of job i'd like no, what's, uh, what's that? I'd like to be the official taster for the Petri family. Boy, just think of all the Petri wine I'd get to taste. Petri to the right of me, Petri to the left of me. What a life. What wine? Yeah, I wouldn't mind having that job myself. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> the Petri family, you know, really knows how to make good wine. They've been making wine for generations. And because they've always owned and operated their own business ever since it was started way back in the 1800s, well, the Petri family has sure piled up plenty of skill and experience. Yes, they've been handing down in the family from father to son, from father to son, the fine art of turning luscious grapes into delicious wine. That's why you can't go wrong with any Petri wine. It must be good, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Thank you so much to our generous sponsors, the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine. We are uh, endlessly grateful to them. They have sponsored the show since the beginning, and uh, and thank you. Thank you to the Petri family. So, we are talking about X-Men the Animated Series, and uh, we are on to episode number three, Enter Magneto. Uh, the episode opens with Beast in prison, because Cyclops does not care about Beast. Cyclops does not care about blue people. Um, and uh, he's reading Animal Farm, right? Makes sense, totally in character for Beast. Um, but he's reading it backwards. I don't know if they reversed the film and just uh, didn't... Uh, didn't think, or it was an animation error, or whatever, but uh, he is... Um, he is turning the pages the wrong way. Sure. Why not? Um, Magneto comes to rescue Beast, um, but Beast says no. Beast is not interested. Beast has drank the Kool-Aid, and he says, no, I need to stay in prison, and I need to have a fair trial, and I need to. we need to show people that there's nothing to be afraid of for mutants. Beast is an idiot. Uh... Beast, this is not going to go well for him. Um, 
it was exciting though, uh, because it was the first appearance of uh, Ian McKellen as Magneto. Ian McKellen did the voice acting for the uh, for the animated series, and that's why he had the uh, the role in the first X Men film. Um, I assume. So uh, after that, uh, Magneto, you know, destroys a bunch of soldiers on his way out because he's angry and a little bit of a turd, um, and uh, Jubilee kind of asks Magneto what's up. Not Magneto. Xavier. She asks Mag... <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. Um, she asks Xavier what's up with Magneto. Because uh, they're bros. They used to be bros. And uh, he goes into his history with Magneto. And let me tell you, it is very different than what happened in uh, X-Men First Class. Very different. Um, there's no Iceman, no Richter. Was Iceman in first class? I don't think he was. No, he wasn't. Jeez, I should really watch that. It's been quite a while. No cameo from Wolverine in their past, you know. Um, R-rated cameo. Uh, and uh, next up we have the bail hearing. Beast has a bail hearing, right? And uh, I love... This is dumb, but... I love that the judge keeps calling Beast Mr. McCoy because... Obviously, someone is a Law & Order fan. It is clearly a Law & Order reference. Um, but he doesn't say, I, I really, oh my goodness, I would have lost my absolute mind if he had said, I'll allow it, but watch yourself, McCoy. Oh, man. Oh, I love Law & Order. I really do. So um, there's a lot of shouting, and it doesn't go super well, as you can imagine. Um, he is denied bail, and Beast says, looks like I'll have time to catch up on my Dostoevsky. Get it? Get it? Crime and punishment? Yeah? Crime and punishment? Yeah? Get it? Get it? Yeah, it makes sense. It's uh, subtle. Actually, I'm making a little bit light of that, but for a kid's cartoon in the 90s, that is subtle. That is some actual serious stuff, and... There, the I, I noticed that the, the writing actually is improving at this point because Beast is quoting Shakespeare here and there. Magneto is quoting... Uh, uh, all, uh, he has quotes that I know that I know that I don't know where they're from. You know what I'm saying? Like he says, um, uh, better die on my feet than live on my knees or something like that. Um, the writing is, is pretty heavy for a, for a kid's cartoon. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, and then we get a second appearance of Sabretooth for some reason. Um, he just bu- <laughs> he just busts into the court. <laughs> he just busts into the courtroom and starts you know throwing stuff. And now in the first episode, uh, he shows up and he's downtown and he's throwing stuff. So I like to think that um, in the time between the first episode and this third episode, he's just been running around throwing stuff for days, for like a week and a half. He's just running and throwing things and being filmed and sometimes not being filmed and then other times being filmed when he shows up in this courtroom. Anyway, they uh, the, the guards beat the crap out of him, but somehow Cyclops gets him. I think he, he fights off the guards and, and runs away with him. Wolverine won't help because he, obviously, because it's Wolverine and Sabretooth. That's how that operates. Um, and uh, then we we go back to the X-Mansion where Sabretooth is kind of on life support or whatever. And Wolverine, you know, cuts his wires and he's going to take him out. And everyone's like, no, no, Wolverine, you have to leave Sabretooth alone. He needs our help. We have to help Sabretooth. 
Wolverine's like, you don't understand. This guy is a crazy murderer, and I'm going to get rid of him. You have to trust me. It's not going to go well. And everybody is says, no, absolutely not. Um, and Storm says, you know, well, some people wanted you to leave when you first came, but, you know, we didn't throw you out. And Wolverine's like, well, this is different. Uh, but they're all interrupted when an alarm goes off, uh, and it says uh, Sector 37, which, I mean, the, <laughs> there's this thing with the number 37. It shows up a lot. And I don't just mean in comics. I mean in general. Keep an eye out for it, and you'll notice, like, the number 37 happens a lot. Anyway, I don't know what it means in this necessarily, but it means... I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know why a military missile facility is considered Sector 37. But it is, and it's Magneto. It doesn't say Magneto, um, but Charles Xavier says, oh, that's Magneto, I know how he works. Go and deal with it. And Wolverine makes an excellent point when he says how come we're supposed to trash your old enemy but we got to go easy on mine wolverine we do not need you poking holes in this already flimsy plot okay just go and have action and don't point out our terrible writing we don't appreciate it so they go to this uh, missile silo, and Magneto is, of course, wrecking shit. And uh, I, it, it reminded me of the very first issue of X-Men. Because what happens? Well, the team kind of assembles and comes together, and Magneto is at a missile silo, and he is, you guessed it, wrecking shit. Um, there's different team members, but a lot of the principles are the same. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, uh, check out episode number 15 where I read the first issue of uh, X-Men, X-Force, and a third one. I think it's all new X-Men. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Um, go and listen to it. It's real good. So, uh, needless to say, they deal with it, but they're all kind of bumbling idiots, and what happens is Storm saves everyone. Storm short-circuits the uh, the detonation devices and the guidance things and whatever. Basically, they'd all be dead if not for Storm. So, well done there. Uh, and then she, of course, passes out because she's tired. Wolverine catches her. They prevent a nuclear war, but they leave these three nuclear missiles just hanging out in the ocean or lake or whatever it was that's next to the missile facility. I don't know, whatever. Um, and it wraps up by Magneto, of course, talking to himself. No inner monologue in this uh, in this TV show. It's all outer monologue. And Magneto says... Ooh, why has Xavier turned on his own kind? Uh, and he either means bald people or mutants. I'm going to go ahead and assume he means mutants. So, that's it. That's it. That is uh, the first three episodes of X-Men the Animated Series. And, um, man, there sure is a lot more to go. This is the first disc of the first... Uh... <laughs> First set of seasons, I guess. I think it's five seasons. Uh, I have five cases here, and I believe they have two discs per case. So, needless to say, we got a long road ahead of us, uh, but we will be revisiting this often. We will be watching episodes of X-Men the Animated Series and uh, talking about them. So, uh, 
I hope that this has been a uh, a journey into your childhood as well as it is has been mine. Tell me your takes on these episodes. Uh, go back and watch them. Tell me what you think. Do they hold up? Do they not hold up? I think they hold up really well. They are. There are some things in here that I remember very accurately, and some things I don't. I didn't remember at all. Like how annoying Gambit is. So. But they hold up. I, they're better than I expected them to be. I thought they were going to be way more quin- cringeworthy, but they're not, which I'm very pleased about. So, watch the episodes, email us, panelriot at gmail.com, and tell us what you think. Before we go, I have some exciting things to share with you. Would you like more Panel Riot? Well, more is available. You can find us at our base of operations, panelriot.com. From there, you can do all manner of things, including donating to the cause. That's right, you can become a Patreon supporter of Panel Riot, and you will have my undying gratitude, as well as a few nif- a few other nifty bits and bobs. Uh, this is a developing program and a developing process. I'm feeling it out uh, just as you are, so grow with me. Help develop panel riot uh just click on the link that says patreon go from there you can find us on twitter at panel riot i am at dj lunchbox and you can also follow the sensational intern stan at intern stan you can hear us all over the place including stitcher smart radio spreaker and of course itunes if none of those work for you you can also head over to panel riot and click the link that says most recent episode from there you will be whisked away into a land of episode descriptions and browser players Enjoy it. I want to know what you think of the show. Email us at panelriot at gmail.com. Tell me what you're reading, what you like, what you don't like. If you ever dressed up in Wolverine's yellow and blue costume, send pictures. I want to know about it. Thanks for listening, True Believers. Until next week, when hopefully I will have thought up a catchphrase. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby and have ourselves some wine. Petri wine.